Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. All right. So check this out. This is the biggest glitch I've ever experienced. Back in junior high school, when I was 16, my family and I were moving to a new apartment. Near the end of the day, me, my dad, and a family friend, who I didn't really know then and haven't talked to since, were walking from the apartment to the elevator so we could go to the car and grab the last few things from it. When my dad stepped into the elevator, the door closed almost immediately. It was specifically weird because the door had only been open for a couple of seconds and it closed way faster than I've seen an elevator door close before or after. The door won't open, so we're all confused. We're talking to dad, he can hear us and we can hear him, and then suddenly, mid-sentence, his voice just cuts off entirely and then the door opens and the elevator is empty. So me and the family friend just sort of stare for a second. I step in and look around and there's no sign of dad. I step back out of the elevator and immediately the doors close again and then reopen and dad's just standing in the middle of the elevator looking, I don't know, dumbfounded. So we ask him what happened, and he explains that, from his perspective, that after the elevator door closed, at one point he stopped hearing us, and the elevator went up. Then it just stopped, and he heard what seemed to be wild animals that he couldn't identify, and the sound of scratching on the door. He said this felt like it lasted around five minutes before the elevator door opened. We lived there for over a year, and we never did figure out what happened, and the elevator never did that again. I was doing a walking tour, and right at the start, there's a public toilet. One of those box cubicles in the street that you put a coin in to unlock the door, and it washes itself after some time. Well, there was a queue of people who wanted to use the toilet before starting the tour, and I joined the queue. People are coming in and out. We get to the last three people in the queue, and an older lady is taking a really long time in there. We start to worry that something happened to her, so I knock. No answer. I knock again, and I shout to her. No answer. I realize that the green vacant light is on. I put a coin in, the door opens, and the cubicle is empty. Everyone swears that they saw this woman go in, and there's a line of people standing by the door with their legs crossed, waiting for their turn to use it. Surely someone would have noticed if anyone came out. I think she disappeared. One day, 
my mother and I were visiting a town a few hours from home as a little weekend getaway. They have a downtown that's full of shops and restaurants and such. We were walking through and on the corner of one of the streets sat a few shops clustered together that looked like they were brand new built. One of the stores was a Thomas Kincaid store with all of his paintings which my mom is absolutely in love with. It was a small gallery with a store to purchase all of his pieces. We lost our home to a big wildfire a few years ago and my mom lost her Kincaid painting that was hanging in the living room which was just a small one that wasn't a very popular one of his. When we walked right in, the first painting straight in front of our faces was the painting that we had in the living room. We were a bit shocked and weirded out, but we continued to stroll around and eventually ended up in the store. The cashier was incredibly nice. She stated that her family opened the store because Thomas used to visit the town often. We asked her if the store was temporary just because it was an art gallery and my mother didn't have enough money at the time to replace her painting. The lady said no. Thomas himself left money aside to open a shop for him. And my mother told her that we wanted a painting eventually and had the lady write down her number so we could call when we had the money. She also took my mother's number just in case the painting was sold. We left and went back home. Three months later, we got our wildfire insurance money and headed to the town to get the painting. No answer on the phone call though. We walked through the downtown and walked up the small hill. There was no building or store anymore. It was just gone. There was no construction anywhere or anything. It just kind of seemed like it poofed into thin air. We were so confused. We went into the candy store that faced the shop and asked the cashier if she knew what happened to the Thomas Kincaid store. She looked at us confused and said that she's worked there for years and that lot's always been empty. At this point, we were absolutely confused. We searched the internet and the yellow book pages. There was absolutely nothing. We just shrugged it off and then went home. A few months passed again and my mom got a call. It was the lady and she was asking if we were still interested in ever coming back. At this point, we were genuinely freaking out. My mom double-checked her address and everything. So we planned another little trip to head back there. And when we walked to the same place that we had walked to a few months ago, there it was. We asked the same lady if they had moved locations or anything within the past few months and she looked at us confused. She said that they had always been there. We bought the painting and left. We have no clue what happened there and we're still so weirded out and shocked. This happened to me in December of 1969. I'm a retired RN. I've experienced or witnessed many things that are beyond understanding, but I'm also a critical thinker, and my story changed my thoughts on our limited view of reality forever. I was with my high school boyfriend on a typical Friday date night in Jeffersonville, Indiana. After socializing with friends at the local hangouts, 
We would ride out on the rural back roads that were located between downtown and my home in a subdivision. There were dairy farms and cornfields on either side of the road for about six miles. The few homes along the stretch sat on the back of properties and there were a couple of equipment paths that led to small open fields that were our parking spots, basically. Past that, the two-lane narrow road was heavily wooded with no homes or cleared property at all for maybe 10 miles. This particular road had many curves and hills, which is typical for southern Indiana. Sparse population and teenage driving led to many accidents. There were no cell phones in these days and the standard operating procedure if one saw an accident was to stop, help, and pray for another motorist to appear to flag down to send to the nearest house to call the police and ambulance or transport the victims to the hospital yourself. It was a very cold December night and the snow flurries began. We left our parking area immediately as my curfew was not to be missed. The remainder of our drive to my home was through the wooded area and on straightaways we saw taillights quite a bit ahead. As they were approaching the second sharp curve, we saw headlights shining from ground level at an angle towards us. We immediately slowed and pulled off the road as far as possible. The grill was damaged and the passenger side had stuck trees. The headlights in the otherwise pitch black night were blinding. A fully restored, beautiful 1956 Chevy had apparently tried to take the curve too fast and had lost control. The car was off the road on its roof. My boyfriend, Greg, grabbed his flashlight got another one for me along with a first aid kit from the trunk and we ran to assist anyone that might be injured. The headlights had kept us from seeing how many passengers the car held and I clearly remember my heart pounding from the adrenaline and my mind fearing injuries as nobody was shouting back to our calling out and nobody was attempting to get out of the car. I could smell the strong odor of gasoline and burned rubber. The engine was running and making a knocking sound. Greg got down on his knees and opened the driver's side door and I opened the back. The car was empty. He reached up and turned the ignition. The engine was now off and the woods were silent. Nothing was making sense. Our headlights and flashlights were giving us light and we started searching for a possible injured person. The windows were rolled up and starting to fog. Greg had already searched the interior. At this point, our assumption was that the driver must have gotten out and we just hadn't seen him or her. We didn't understand why they hadn't answered us as we ran to help or why the car had been left running. We continued to search for a person all around the wreck. and We tried to go into the woods, but the underbrush and steep embankment was impossible to climb. At this point, we decided whoever was driving may have just walked away. We got back into Greg's car and drove slowly three miles back, then turned around and drove slowly the next six, fully expecting to find someone needing a ride home or to a phone. We were relieved that the driver must not be hurt, but also couldn't imagine why they didn't see us and how they left on foot without us seeing them. 
no other vehicles had come down the road. At this point, the remaining road that we drove was covered with snow and we saw no tracks. There were no houses. We went to my house where my parents were waiting as I was really late at this point. And Greg told my father what had happened and then described the car and how beautifully restored it was in case he knew who it belonged to. The whole incident just left us baffled. By the next day, we decided that maybe there was a house in the woods or a side road that we had missed. We were both just unsettled by the whole thing, and we didn't really know why we were worried about what now appeared to be a non-event. The next day, we went back to the scene of the accident, and both of us felt that we would find a house close by that had gone unnoticed or a side road or something. We didn't understand why we were still dwelling on it, but little did we know quite the opposite was to be found. The car was still there, but had been moved into a clearing in the trees. I'll never understand what happened the night of the Chevy whose taillights we followed hit the curve and rolled. There it was, still upside down. The accident happened on a Friday night, and here we are on Sunday afternoon staring at it still. The paint was faded, the body was completely rusted through over the majority of it, the tires were completely rotted, and the rims were rusted. The interior was dry rotted and covered with mold, the windows were gone and the windshield was broken with a basketball sized hole full of vines growing in and out of the car. The embankment that we had tried to search was now a clearing and setting further back into the woods was a small abandoned two-room shack. We later did a property search, but it only led us to owners that had bought acreage with shack and a car on it. All we were left with was a lifetime of questions surrounding a cold December night. It's been years now, but that night still haunts me. I live with my parents. My mother leaves for work every day at 6 a.m. and comes back at 3 p.m. Today, she comes back at 10 a.m. I talked to her and asked why she came back so early. She told me that she managed to get off early and that she wanted to make a late breakfast soon. I said, okay, call me when you're done. After about two hours of waiting, I realized that I couldn't hear any sounds from the kitchen and I always do when someone is cooking something. So I went to the kitchen, and my mother was gone. I went through the whole house. My mom was nowhere to be found. I was alone at home. I thought it was strange because my mother always tells me when she goes out. For example, if she goes to the store or to even water the flowers in the garden, she always lets me know. So I went back to my room and went back to playing my game. At 3 p.m., my mother comes back. She called me, which she always does, said hello, and I asked her, why did you leave the house and not tell me? And where were you anyway? She replies, well, honey, I was at work and I always come back at 3 p.m., don't I? I explained to her that she was home at 10 today and that I talked to her and that she even told me she would be making a late breakfast. She explained to me that she wasn't. We talked about it for a while, 
and then my mother decided that I had simply mixed up the days. But I don't think that's possible. She was at home. I saw her, and I spoke to her. And this isn't the first time something like this has happened to me either. I'm sharing this story because it happened to me today. I have to share something bizarre that happened to me a while ago, and it's been eating at me ever since. Here's a bit of background on me. I'm a 31-year-old guy living in the southeast side of Norway, and I work as a web developer. My daily routine has been pretty much the same for the past three years. I walk to and from work, usually arriving at the office around 5.30, and then leaving again at around 1400, or 2 o'clock. So here's where things get weird. It was a typical early morning walk to work. I was strolling along the roads on the outskirts of my city, plugged into my tunes and soaking in the serene beauty of the autumn winter night sky. My route is pretty straightforward. It's a dimly lit road with a sidewalk on each side, and I always stick to the left sidewalk just out of habit. Now, I love to gaze at the stars and moon during my walk, especially in the crisp air. However, this particular morning took a turn for the strange when my Samsung Galaxy Buds started acting up, losing connection to my phone sporadically. I fiddled with them for a bit but eventually gave up, attributing the issue to a dead battery. And that's when I noticed it. The air was thick with a static charge reminiscent of the atmosphere before a thunderstorm, yet the sky was, it was entirely clear. I tried to shake it off and continued my walk, but then the hair on my arms started to stand on end, and an intense ringing assaulted my ears. I thought maybe I was having a panic attack, which I have had a few times in the past, so I employed my usual coping techniques. Unfortunately, they were to no avail. In the growing state of alarm, I scanned my surroundings only to realize that somehow, impossibly, I was now on the right sidewalk. I hadn't crossed the road, I was sure of it. An eerie silence enveloped everything. There was no wind, no distant city sounds, there was nothing. Even the moon seemed to betray me, showing a phase indicating a week had mysteriously passed. I frantically checked my phone, and it was dead. My watch had also stopped ticking. The distant city lights, which should have been visible, were enveloped in an unsettling darkness. Now, I was genuinely freaking out. I closed my eyes, desperately trying to rationalize the impossible events unfolding around me. My heart raced as the static electricity and the ringing returned. Fearfully, I opened my eyes and I was back on the left side of the road. The static and the ringing had stopped, the moon was back to its correct phase, and the distant city lights twinkled almost reassuringly. My phone and watch were functioning as if nothing had happened, and apparently only a few minutes had passed. I sprinted the remaining 2.4 kilometers to work, my mind whirling with the inexplicable occurrences I didn't share this with anyone until now, but there's one more thing. 
I remembered that my exercise app was running on my phone during the incident. When I checked it upon reaching work, I noticed that the GPS had lost track of me precisely at the time of the incident. I can't explain what happened and maybe the phone's power loss could account for the GPS issue, but still, has anyone ever experienced anything like this before? I'm at a loss and would love to hear your thoughts or similar experiences. There's a lot of comments on this story that said this person was abducted. But abducted by what? If you have any interest in hearing true alien abduction stories, leave a comment below or answer the poll on Spotify. Thanks. This happened a few years ago. As a teenager, I loved doing magic tricks as a hobby. I was at a wedding and whilst at my table, I was messing around, fiddling with a fork and a napkin. I decided to role play doing a magic trick, just for my own amusement, and I put the fork inside the napkin. I covered it, and then I imagined myself making the fork disappear. I actually thought to myself, imagine I open the napkin and the fork is actually gone. <laughs> well. I open the napkin and the fork is gone and I have no way to prove it to anyone. The other day I was in my backyard speaking with a close friend on the phone. Unfortunately she has a close family member in the hospital who was taken off life support and was dying. She was very upset and for good reason, and I was trying to calm her. I was telling her that her loved one wasn't in physical pain and that her soul was transitioning, pointing out that when someone dies, they have peace, that it's just the living that really suffer. As I'm saying all of this, something in the grass catches my eye. It was a seashell, just sitting on top of the grass like someone had placed it there. And I'm not talking about a parking lot seashell, I'm talking about a beautiful, pristine seashell that I would be thrilled to find on the beach. What's weird about this is that I live in a small town in the middle of Texas. I couldn't be more landlocked. There isn't a coastline for hundreds of miles. I thought it was odd. I picked it up and finished the conversation with my friend. After we hung up, I looked up the spiritual meaning of a seashell. For context... I am that annoying person that's always looking for the greater meaning in things. And well, FYI, the symbolic meaning of a seashell is literally the soul leaving the body. It represents the body or shell that we leave behind when we die. I found a physical representation of exactly what I was saying to my friend at the exact moment I was saying it. I felt like I found the origami unicorn and Blade Runner. This happened maybe a month ago, but I didn't think of posting this until now because of something that happened yesterday. I was watching a TV show on the bed when my dog comes into the room chomping on something hard. I can hear it crunching in her mouth. 
Realizing she shouldn't have anything to be chewing on right now, I dove onto the floor and I immediately rustled it out of her mouth. I'm fully expecting it to be like a piece of plastic or a wood chip from outside, but it's not. It's an entire toenail, completely yellow with a little blood on the edges from where it had been pulled off. I immediately started gagging and threw it into the trash. I didn't think much of it at first because my dog had been playing with my fiancé's dirty sock maybe 15 minutes before I caught her with this disgusting toenail. I assumed my fiancé had lost a toenail due to some accident at work. He's supposed to wear steel toe shoes, but doesn't always. And that my dog had managed to get it out of the sock. I went to confront him, like, Gross, I just found the dog eating your toenail. And he just looked at me weird. He said he had no idea what I was talking about and immediately showed me his feet to show that he has all ten toenails perfectly in place. I look at my own feet and I also have all ten of my toenails. And then both of us started to get really grossed out and very creeped out. Me and my fiancé live in our apartment alone and don't have company over at our apartment like ever maybe once every six months or so. And we especially don't welcome people to take off their shoes when they do come over. I know some people might be thinking, oh, your fiancé must be having people over secretly, but I really don't think that explains it either. I trust my fiancé, and when he's home, I'm home. We have the same work schedules, and we spent nearly all our time together. Plus, this toenail was so yellow and thick that it had to have come from an elderly man. I don't know, in my opinion. We had been living in our apartment for two years at this point, so the chance my dog found a disgusting bloody toenail from the previous tenant is slim too. Not impossible, I guess, but slim. I don't have any pictures of the nail, but I assure you that no one would want to see it. I remembered this story yesterday because I actually lost one of my toenails yesterday following me bruising it with a pair of heels. The toenail actually went missing mysteriously before I even noticed it was gone. I found it ironic that I found a mysterious toenail in my house a month before my own randomly disappeared off my foot. Gross. Hey, listen to another episode.